0: American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast.
1: We're going to attempt
2: time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in, and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com.
0: All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension.
1: Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher, and as always, I am here with my good friend and co-host, Tom. Howdy! How you been? Good, how are you doing? Nah, not too bad hanging in there it's been a good week for watching tv yeah yes it has it has indeed and we'll get to, we will definitely get to that there is a couple little news stories i wanted to talk about first uh, actually even before we talk about that we were gonna do a time hop on a, a film i posted a trailer to the social medias and I thought it was an outstanding trailer. I mean, I watched this trailer, I had the hairs in the back of my neck stood up. Mm-hmm. Literally. I was like, okay, you could, this might be something. You couldn't talk enough about it. I watched the movie and then immediately texted Tom and said, if you haven't watched this yet, don't bother. <laughs> Which, that's heavy-handed for him. <laughs> I have never been so let down by a trailer in all my life. <laughs> that that
0: and that's saying something we've seen lots of trailers and lots of movies so yeah if you're giving it that rank i can only imagine
1: the name of the film is they talk and you'll actually find it listed in like imdb as they talk to me i think hmm. it's got a couple different titles as it's being marketed now it's they talk it's about a sound engineer who's out uh, working on some documentary or something and while he's recording video he starts picking up some feedback some voices some sounds in his headphones and he realizes that they're voices they're, they they seem to be like something or someone trying to communicate with him through the recordings mm-hmm. even that thought alone kind of makes the hairs on my arm stand up sure, no, i'm like i like that that's that's, a that's, nice that's intro. cool <laughs> that's as good as it gets <laughs> there's there's no substance to this movie outside of that absolutely just skip they talk or they talk to me just Just skip it. (laughs) Watch the trailer a couple times and pretend you saw a really great movie. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Usually you don't pan them that hard. (laughs) I was just so disappointed. Usually we'll see a trailer and I think, all right, there might be something to this. Mm -hmm. And we'll watch the movie and you're like, it wasn't everything I had hoped it to be, but there was this good bit and there was this good bit. A valiant effort was made. (laughs) Exactly. This one, I just felt like, why did they do this? First of all, it was obviously, I don't know where they filmed it, but it sure the hell wasn't in Missouri, you know, with the giant mountains of Missouri and such and in, in, in the background. Um, and, you know, everybody in the film had an accent of some kind, <laughs> a European accent of varying countries. So I just, I, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish, and they, whatever it was, they failed. It was
0: a melting pot. What, what you... Yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyway, you can skip They Talk, or They Talk to me. Here's something I will not be skipping when it comes out. I can't believe this is coming to a Criterion Blu-ray. Do you remember the, mo- the, the movie, uh, The Heroic Trio, with Michelle Yeoh? I actually don't. You don't remember that? I know we watched it. it. It's always been one of my favorite Michelle Yeoh films. It's getting a 4K upgrade Criterion release. Nice. I can't wait. <laughs> That's a great film. I,
0: I will have to revisit, assuming I've seen it in the first place. I don't really recall that one.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, it's, and it's one of those ones, too, where you got to watch, watch the subtitled. Because the dubbed version is slightly re-edited. You want to watch the subtitles because it's got some dark, fantastic elements that are kind of erased from like the U.S. dub. Oh, interesting. And so, obviously, you know you're going to get good quality uh, out of the Criterion (laughs) gang. So, that's going to be the one to watch. Cool. Other good news, uh, and speaking of uh, Asian actors... James Hong has finally, after a career that has got to be, what, five decades long or something at this point? would think, yes. Has gotten a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. About damn time. Oh, I can't believe he didn't have one already. Film, television, uh, video games, animated movies.
0: He, yeah, no, he's been in just about... Anything. If you
1: don't even know who he is, yes, you
0: do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have caught the name, but you have seen this man. He has been in some of your favorite things forever.
1: Yeah. It took uh, actor Daniel Day Kim to start a Kickstarter, or, or excuse me, a GoFundMe, mm-hmm. to raise the money to do this because you know this isn't just something that's awarded. You have to pay for the star. And he started a GoFundMe, and his fans quickly came up with the money, and uh, he was and he filed the application and everything, and it was approved. And so, yeah, he's also now the oldest man to ever have gotten a star on the Walk of Fame because I believe he's ninety three now, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's still starring yeah. in things too. <laughs> ninety three years old, still active. Yes, yeah, he hasn't- He's fantastic. He actually uh, came to the. Uh, what do you call it? Not the debut, but the, uh, the unveiling of the star. And he, <laughs> there's the article here, quote, I'm here, I'm alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he has
1: stuff in post-production right now. <laughs> he said he had no speech plan because he's not that kind of person. Uh, but he just kind of, he joked and talked with people and danced around. They had, uh, you know, the Chinese dragons and symbols and everything going on. And he had fun kind of doing some uh, some dancing with them and just enjoyed the the afternoon. Fantastic that he finally gets some recognition for all the work that he's done. Absolutely. Now, I didn't know this. He, uh, he was a co-founder of East West Players, the first theater in the U.S. committed to raising the visibility of the Asian American experience, which I did not know. That was very cool. That is cool. Yeah, and he still looks great. There's photos of him. Um he's a very active and very energetic 93-year-old. He's look he looks great. I'm so happy.
0: No, that that's amazing. And uh because I'm in here poking around at his uh his uh filmography and all that uh, of all things uh there's a TV series of some kind that I didn't know was going to exist. It's called Gremlins
1: Secrets of the Mogwai. I didn't know about that either until this article. Right.
0: <laughs> so now I'm excited for that and he's in it. <laughs> yeah. No, congratulations to him and long overdue.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China, Kung Fu Panda, Blade Runner. Yeah. He showed up in the uh, Hawaii, the, the, the 2000s Hawaii Five O voice work for Star Wars Rebels.
0: He did, yeah. He was in Mike Tyson's Mysteries.
1: <laughs> he commented on during the uh the, the star unveiling during the the event that he's probably one of the few people still alive that's worked with Groucho Marx.
0: Oh wow. That's <laughs> That's probably true.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm going back and it just his it just keeps going. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. I'm finally in the 70s. I'm scrolling. There's the 60s. Scrolling. 50s. The funny thing is, as I'm going through these, I'm like, I've seen it, seen it, seen it,
0: seen it. <laughs> yeah, he's probably got the uh, the record for number of times he's played somebody named Mister Lee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, was kind of the thing.
0: Yeah, because I'm seeing a lot of it
1: as <laughs> I like, yep. scroll through an amazing career again as Ho Lee. He was in a 1956, oh no, excuse me, 1966 a sci-fi film called Destination Inner Space, mm-hmm. which was a uh, about an undersea base that comes across a UFO and is terrorized by this aquatic uh, sea creature. And it's probably one of the best sea creature outfits next to you know uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Wow. Well. It's really impressive. I I talked about it with uh, Steve Sullivan and Derek Cook over on Monster Kid Radio uh, years ago. And we all three just had a blast watching this film because neither of us really knew what we were getting into. And we watched this film and we all came away just absolutely loving it. (laughs) It's got fantastic underwater photography. Uh, It's got the guy that does the voice, one of the voices in uh, Johnny Quest. Oh, wow. I think he? Uh, what's his name? Um, not the dad, but the... Uh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. The bodyguard or whatever he is. Oh, yeah, I know I'm blanking on what his name was. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. But, yeah, he does the voice for... <laughs> the, the man that does the voice stars in that film. James Hong is, like, the ship's cook. <laughs> and, of course, he's the typical Asian cook with the parrot on his shoulder. And oh, God. <laughs> it's a real... You know, insignificant role and everything, but he's there. Fun film. He was on the original Hawaii Five O. He was in two
0: two different seasons of the A Team. <laughs> as as different Files. characters. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, because I mean, I I finally got to the bottom, and he's been his filmography starts in 1954. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been a while.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah no so unbelievable unbelievable what it took this long and thank goodness that he's getting some physical credit yeah no because he certainly deserves it
0: something for everyone to see for years to come
1: yes that man need now he they, someone needs to get on the ball and start pushing for like a uh one of those Oscar lifetime achievement oscars or something yeah like it that. really
0: kind of needs that too uh yeah, when you've been a character actor for so long and or,
1: or Emmy, because we're talking TV. You know, oh, he could yeah. do a, a, an Emmy.
0: I think he needs a catch-all one. <laughs> could hand out a few of them to all of those all of those actors where we you know them on site, even if you don't know their name.
1: Exactly. Because they've
0: just been in everything. Uh, can we get an order of dumplings, but with three instead of four? No substitutions. This isn't a substitution. It's a reduction. Okay, no reductions.
2: You've seen him in some of the most popular TV shows of all time, from The Big Bang Theory to Seinfeld.
0: How much longer is it going to be?
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> About five, ten
2: minutes. And he was making his mark in movies long before that.
1: You wait. You wait.
2: In classics wait. like Chinatown...
1: Uh-huh. I could go on for hours, but I'd probably start to bore you.
2: Comedies like Airplane.
1: I really couldn't blame Elaine if she wanted a career.
2: And even animated Fair as a voice in Kung Fu Panda.
1: Paul, forget everything else.
0: Your destiny still awaits. We are doodle folk.
2: In his nearly 70 years in show business, James Hong has appeared in nearly 700 movies.
0: And now, my beloved disciples.
2: And TV shows. Well, maybe we could have a little workout of our own.
0: No. No boom boom before a big fight.
2: Making him one of the most prolific actors you may have never heard of until now. <laughs> a lot of people know your face. But maybe not your name. Mm. What is that like? I don't like it.
0: <laughs> I wish they could, you know, look at my face and then say James Hong, you know.
2: Some of
1: them do. Last little bit of news. Because it's time travel related, I wanted to mention that the next person who's going to take on the mantle of the Doctor in Doctor Who, Chuti Gatwa, has been announced as the 14th Doctor. A little bit excited about this. I know nothing about the man. Uh, He's apparently made a, a big impression on a Netflix series called Sex Education, where he's either won or has been nominated for several BAFTAs. Uh, outside of that no one really seems to know much about him i kind of like that because not knowing anything about him you walk in with absolutely no baggage whatsoever i'm excited that it's russell davies doing the casting because we have russell davies to thank for chris eccleston Mm -hmm. back when the show came back in 2005 we have the him to thank for uh, david tenet when chris eccleston left Mm -hmm. and while my love for Tenet faded fairly quickly i felt he stayed a little too long but at the time i thought it was great casting so i trust russell davies
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i'm kind of excited for this and this this will also mark the first time a person of color has taken the lead role
0: no that's a, that's great uh, my 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 love affair with dr who wanes at times so um uh, admittedly i have not watched some of the most recent seasons and not related to the doctor per se just the stories just weren't there
1: um yes well and that's something else i'm truly hoping that we will see hope i'm hoping hoping with all hope that russell davies actually brings back some decent storytelling
0: uh, one can hope, yes, exactly. Because, I mean, that's that's was the shame of the past couple seasons. It, just, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of bland, and uh, it it didn't seem to have direction or anything.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to say that everything that were in the three years that Russell T. Davies managed Doctor Who were stellar, but compared to a lot of what we've seen in the last several years, they're all bangers, <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, no it's it's been a little dry lately, so I mean i I've gone i every time I try to get back into it, I'm like, yeah, no, i'm just, it, it's not holding my attention, so I'm hoping yeah.
1: and I think it's really unfortunate too it's that it is the stories that have faltered. I think they've had some fantastic actors mm-hmm. absolutely in the role of the doctor, and they haven't been given hardly anything to really work with in my opinion
0: actually that's the funny thing is because i did not care for the doctor during the peter capaldi years but i like him yeah (laughs) i just don't like him as the doctor and i I think it had more to do with the storytelling and the way the direction they took him in rather than Mm -hmm. him
1: right Yeah. I also hope they slow things down just a little. I'm so tired of the manic doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping with every time that there's a a regeneration, a new actor comes in, I'm hoping for just just tone it down or or know when to tone it down. That's one of the things I loved about Chris Eccleston is he could be manic, Mm -hmm. but when it needed... He would stop. He would slow. He, he would give the thoughtful and the you know understated performances,
0: and and literally there were chill moments during during that where we were just marveling at the wonder of being able to travel to space and time and jo- enjoy that being somewhere. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be everything was about to come crumbling down around you at all times. Yeah. You might even work into a there's at least something going on in this episode, but it not necessarily the universe is going to get destroyed.
1: <laughs> and for all what I might consider as false, David Tennant, I think, could do the same thing. I, Unfortunately, he did most of it through closed teeth, and that got a little old <laughs> for me. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Not my style, no. Especially this, the last Doctor, uh, Jodie Whitaker. Everything has got to be at 150%. Everyone, you have to be running while you do it. And you have to, you know, this and, and oh, and oh my God, please may this be the doctor that loses the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> God. Or at least downplays the hell out of it. I mean, turn it back into a screwdriver instead of the, it will do.
0: Yeah, I, I keep marveling at the fact that each of the doctors in the more recent years, they keep staring at something on the damn thing. That's that
1: isn't there. That
0: isn't there, and it's supposedly telling them something. I'm like,
1: what? <laughs> yeah, no. It it's turned into a magic wand. That's why they got rid of it in the original series. Mm. That's why uh, John Nathan Turner, I think it was, who said, you know what? This is it's a get out of jail free card. Yeah, and it's it's lazy writing, and that's why he had it destroyed and didn't bring it back.
0: Yeah, and it's gotten out of control again. Again, I don't know who decided in Jody's time, but every time she went to use the damn thing, too, she looked like she was winding up for a pitch. It's
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, are yeah. you about to throw
0: it at somebody? What are you doing?
1: It needs one of those wrist straps, like the Nintendo <laughs> Wii controller.
0: Kinda, uh, like. Uh. It's it just, it, yeah, it over a an enormous
1: mulligan in the middle of the story. And I'm like, can we just tell the story, please? But anyway, unfortunately, however, we won't see anything from him for real. We'll see probably his appearance, his his initial appearance after regeneration this December or January. Yeah. But then we won't see anything else from him until probably late 2023 kind of
0: the way that the doctor goes which yeah
1: unfortunately
0: also lends to my lack of satisfaction with it these days I mean it's it's inconsistent and it takes even if you build any excitement to it it's too
1: long to get to it All right, last thing I know you and I both want to talk about this yeah (laughs) at the time of this recording we've only seen the premiere yep Star Trek Strange New Worlds yep. has finally come to fruition. It's here. It is. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission
2: to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life new civilizations to boldly go where no one has gone
1: before. What did you think of it, Tom?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <coughs> no, 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 no. Uh, without being <laughs>
1: my over-energized self about this. Uh, Tell us what you really think, Tom. It felt
0: like, it felt like a glove. Um, it, it it was Star Trek. It was Star Trek again. Uh, th- this was what I think of as Star Trek. Um, the episodic formula worked really well. They had a nice, tight story for that. And it just shimmered with hope. Like, even when it took us to a dark spot while they were um, telling the particular story and a, a little Highly accurate considering um, some of what uh, had gone on in the episode where they reveal a little Earth history and its very recent Earth history and how they're referencing it. And the fact that they made this before the uh, invasion of Ukraine, um, mm-hmm. yet somehow managed to reference it <laughs> I'm like uh, that that was amazing. But just anson mount as as a as captain pike is absolutely astounding um i i enjoy what they took out of the second season of discovery and a revelation that he has during that about his future and making that part of how he will be in the episodes to come the 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 knowing where he's going to be, and I'm not spoiling anything. Everybody who's seen the original series knows what happens to Captain Pike. They have not rewritten this. This is not an alternate timeline. Um they they've spit and polished, they're 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 giving a little uh leeway with some of it, but uh, otherwise they're setting it up for where he will be by the time you get to the menagerie in In the original series. Knowing that he knows. That that's what's going to happen to him. Creates some interesting angst. For a man who has to now. Captain. A ship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the fact that they addressed it early. And have him dealing with it. But not. It doesn't look like we're going to get beaten over the head with it. And I liked how they kind of did it. And then just set it on its way. And I don't know everything about the episode i absolutely loved
1: i don't recall if they mentioned it when they first introduced a character in discovery do we know if the events that we're seeing now are before or after his time on telos 4
0: that's a good question um i don't know i honestly don't know or i don't know if we're gonna have to tell that story
1: i was just curious if if, if, you know towards the the end of this series you know, to put however long it runs if they actually try to retell the cage because we run in, in discovery we run into the characters from talus Four. The, the talosians i don't recall maybe we do so maybe this is after
0: it it, it may so which that actually would be more comforting to me if it if it is after, because uh, then then we don't have to get it in, and it doesn't have to be. We don't have to hear the fight between how they did it in the cage versus how right. <laughs> yeah, good it point. This.
1: I was thinking when I was watching this the, this premiere, I I'm almost sorry that they introduced these characters in Discovery and then launch this directly after the events of Discovery. I almost kind of wish this could have started up after the events in Talos 4, where that were some of his, you know, his um, reluctance, you know, because that story starts with him debating whether he wants to still be a captain or not. Right. And then towards the end, we definitely get the feeling that, okay, yes, he's he's going to be the captain, but, you know, typically something like that isn't going to be cured overnight with just one adventure. So you could see where that could have blended in a little bit better with the the story they started telling in this.
0: But since it's the events during the, uh, the discovery season where he discovers wh- what's going to happen to him. Right. Um, the fact that um, the Enterprise is involved in the battle at the end of the second season and gets pretty well banged up the mm-hmm. fact that he is living with that the fact that the ship has to be repaired and we have now this indeterminate amount of time which he's gotten to live with it which allows you to accept that okay uh, starfleet kicked him in the ass put him back on on the ship because they they even dangled out there that his number one went and screwed up and yeah. <laughs> he needs to go get her um uh, um, which is the one thing that will absolutely put him back in the chair so that he can so that he can get out there. And then the fact that that will ease his mind that he's making decisions and not constantly reacting to this knowledge that he now has. Mm-hmm. He already had some time to let that go. So I, I can yeah. buy that, okay, having some time back in the seat talking with Spock getting to know his new crew and all that that maybe he's letting it go a little bit. But mm-hmm. he also it, it slipped in there they set a timetable
1: Yeah, ten years Ten years till.
0: He th- It's ten years till the event happens that will cripple his body um, mm-hmm. and so that gives you basically the timetable for the series if they can do it and I want <laughs> yeah. them to Night too. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't say enough. Uh, we, we've we watched and seen a lot of the... I, I finished Picard Season 2. Oh, did you? I did, yes. I finished Picard Season 2. I have yet to finish uh, the current season of Discovery because it just hurts. Um, <laughs> and we have been so bogged down in the stories of of an individual we've been bogged down in seasons that are an entire arc you have to watch the whole thing to really get anything out of it and it gets a little hard to enjoy at times especially if it starts going off the rails Mm -hmm. so this is this brings us back to that time where now if an episode is not so good like 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 if they have a scratch episode you don't have to bury the whole show because they they have a bad moment. You can enjoy right. all the good ones. <laughs> and and again, this makes for this, this gets me takes me all the way back to the 90s and the 80s and such where the reason you made episodic television in the first place was so that later in syndication you could run them out of order and it didn't matter. You could still mm-hmm. kind of enjoy it. Well, now now I have a series again where if I don't want to watch Matt in specific order, I don't necessarily have to. I like that.
1: I know that's what they said was going to happen. I'm curious whether they stick with it or if they stick with it mostly.
0: I'm with you that while it may be episodic, it will likely fit in some some arc that will make it, it clear that the ep- the incidents from episode 1 to episode 10 or whatever they get to there's a there's a thread running through it mm-hmm. um, can't say that other even in the 90s uh, ds9 lived in that territory um, I was thinking like Babylon 5 that too that really did I mean but they mm-hmm. that if anything I would almost put that as a like a gateway to current TV
1: yeah. Huh. Yeah, that was definitely leaning more towards the arc, but you can watch a lot of those episodes individually out of order. Didn't really matter when you caught them. Right. You knew you you could kind of figure out what was going on.
0: No, absolutely. But yeah, there was always that one little element here or there that was it was necessary toward the larger story. Um And, right. and this may do the same thing. And as long as they do it carefully, that won't be terrible. Um, and they all did it. I mean, you can't not do it to a degree because you're building your own history as you go anyways. So the idea that what came before might affect what happens now that comes with the territory, just as long as you just give us room to just enjoy, not to mention the great thing about episodic. This is where you get the opportunity to do short storytelling. Um, You can Mm -hmm. pick on a theme, um, and this one clearly had a very Star Trek theme. It was that notion of of what what do we do to each other as a society, and can you look past your differences to become better than you are now? Um, That is an important thing, and it's very timely, and obviously they went out of their way to tell that story right now. But... The thing is, they can pick on other so, social um, commentary, and they can build that into a single episode, like all the other Star Treks did, which gives you opportunity to kind of just richly play with um, what what at least the storyteller perceives as the way things should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I miss that, and it'll be nice to see more of it. I certainly hope that's the way it goes.
1: I was just happy to watch a Star Trek where I finished the episode and I didn't feel like I was going to have to force myself to watch the next one just to see how it would end or see what would come next. Yeah. I, I left this one going, all right, that was good enough. I'll I'll watch the next one. And it's not a, I guess so. I mean, it's like it, it was a, it's a legitimate I'm somewhat impressed I, w- I want to see what you've got we'll, we'll tune in next week
0: and, and I, I realize this is the hyper optimist in me I already like this one uh, I mean uh, it will have its flaws I'm not saying it it's a flawless masterpiece and people will pick apart it like crazy because it's not the Enterprise that was in the 60s. (laughs) As you're staring off into space, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, because people are going to have their little idiosyncrasies and it's not always going to be on the spot, but I'm thinking back to... When Next Gen aired for the very first time and it had enough wow factor that you're like, oh, I'm excited. But uh, but these are kind (laughs) of (laughs) crap. But but Star Trek was back and it was back for the first time in a long time. And even though we've had, quote unquote, Star Trek with the 2009 series of movies and all the recent series, This is giving me the little tingle of Star Trek is back, that this is more Star Trek than things have been in a long time. All I can say is, Kurtzman, please don't screw this up.
1: Yes. The only, and you're right, there is, I mean, it is a nitpicky thing. The space that they have on the Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) The bridge is too big. And every other room, it's just there's a lot of room suddenly on this enterprise. How they fit 300 people, I don't know. You had the like Pike's uh, <laughs> quarters. <laughs> who he had his who own bar. Open flame is a good idea on a starship. <laughs>
0: I I love, but yeah, no the the fact that he had a fireplace. Uh, yes, but it was a 60s fireplace. Oh yes. No, uh, but see that's what that was despite the, the clean and polished and clearly new and better thought out um choices, uh while yes, it, it is a little spacious. Uh I won't won't say you're wrong there. But uh
1: and stations on the wrong side. <laughs>
0: um is it?
1: I, I believe so. I no, think it's to she's... his right.
0: Yeah. She was always to his right.
1: No, she's she behind.
0: W- well, she was to his right, but behind.
1: No, she was to the left and behind. No, she Spock wasn't. was to his right and behind.
0: Engineering was bu- to the left and behind.
1: No, engineering was directly to the left. If
0: you go st- watch your original series, man. Oh wait, 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 wait! No, 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 no. Okay, so you're
1: talking about if you're staring at Kirk. Yes, she's on the l- left. When I said it on his right, if I'm yeah, if I'm in right. the captain's chair, yeah. Uhura is to his right in this in Strange New Worlds. Right. Communication should be behind his left shoulder. No. Yes.
0: <laughs> no. Yes. No. <laughs> I can picture her. She's always to the right of the turbo lift. Yeah. Yeah, but which she's is on the opposite side which, of the which bridge. Is his right shoulder. No. How is it not?
1: If you're sitting in the captain chair looking at the view screen. Yes, the turbo lift's directly behind you. To, and to the left? Correct. And she's right next to the turbo lift. On the right side. Yes, as you walk out the turbo lift, she'd be directly to your so right. So you're
0: staring at the captain at the back of his head as you come right. out, and she's correct. on the right.
1: She's on the right side of you. Yes, correct. Right. So then how is he. In nothing? Strange New Worlds. They have her all the way to the other opposite side of the of the bridge, which is on his right side. Yeah,
0: no, she's not. Yeah, she's not off to the back. She is to the right and almost a little forward. Yes, so she's in the wrong spot. You're talking about front to back of the room, but she, he's on the <laughs> she's on the right side.
1: No, she's not. Uh,
0: <laughs> at any rate, um, <laughs> at, at least in this enterprise. Um, stuff looks like it says things and does stuff. <laughs> I, I can give up the little jeweled buttons and, and and displays that don't have anything on them. And I hope to God, I, I, I know they won't, they'll somehow still bring it in there, but I'm okay if Spock doesn't have to stare into the Viewmaster that comes up out of, <laughs> out of
1: the... The console. Oh no! I hope that that has to be there. (laughs) He's got to have his little sensor hood thing. And you know
0: what? They'll put it on there because it was even on the movie one. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. well, they've got to have that. Don't know what it's for, but (laughs) all of those fabulous displays. But you got to look into the viewfinder. (laughs) It, but, you know, it looked cool. the one thing I, 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 I do like that they did go ahead and steal out of the 2009 stuff is I am perfectly good with the front of the bridge being a window that they happen to mm. overlay a screen on. I, mm. I actually dug that out of the 2009 one, and I'm good with it on here. All
1: right. It's a neat effect. All right, well, we have talked uh, long enough on the top half of this show. We will go ahead and take a break, listen to a promo for another podcast. When we get back, we are going to break down 1985's My Science Project.
0: My name is Adam and I'm Nick and this is the Bottom of the Stream podcast. A never-ending quest to find hidden movie gems on Netflix. (laughs) Uh, Every week we watch a random movie that we find on the stream and we talk about it for about an hour. Uh, Yeah, as
1: well as that we round up the news of the week and uh, we usually mention what we've been watching at the top of the stream.
0: Yeah, so if you're into Netflix and you enjoy watching stuff on there, give us a listen. Join us aboard our podcast boat as we navigate the perilous water. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So what I've attempted to do here this year
2: is to instill in you a basic scientific curiosity about the world that we live in. Harlan?
1: Uh... Why don't you tell us about your science project?
0: working on it. To be opened by all personnel.
1: Hey, what's this piece of junk? I don't know. I, uh, found it at old Dawson Field. I figured maybe I
0: could
2: shine
1: it up and pass it off to my
0: side project.
2: But... I mean, it's some sort of, uh, it's some sort of power plant. I mean, this is generating power and light without heat, Michael. How is that possible? It's not possible. Well, now that sounds like we're dealing with a time-space war. We went two hours into the future. What? How does it work? Simple. You see, it's kind of like breaking through the barriers between time,
0: space, and all dimensions. (laughs)
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, it climbed up the ball. It's a time-space warp that's created by this Ninfo that will warp something into our dimension or we can travel through time and space. Up in another dimension, like Barbarino. I'm going in that package. What's this then Look, these people from the past and the future, and we're all here together. This is like a, this is like a crossroads of time and space.
1: Wow. The My science project. My Science Project is an American science fiction film. It came out the same year as Back to the Future and Weird Science, but didn't do nearly as well at the box office. Uh, lack of recognizable stars in Kelly LeBrock, no doubt. <laughs> the film stars John Stockwell, Danielle Von Zernick, and Fisher Stevens with an appearance by Dennis Hopper. Michael is a high school student with only one thing on his mind. Cars. <laughs> He's in danger of flucking his senior science class unless he comes up with a great science project. He and Ellie, a smart school newspaper reporter who, who he takes on a date more to get back at being recently dumped by his longtime girlfriend than anything, go to a nearby military junkyard. His hope is to find something he can clean up and call his project. Falling into an old bomb shelter, he finds a strange device. Thinking it was just the thing to get him an A, he steals it. Unbeknownst to Mike, Ellie, and Mike's best friend Vince, the device is an engine from a UFO that crashed in the desert 30 years ago. They soon learn that the device can alter and warp time. When they, along with their 60s burnout teacher, plug it into the power grid, the past, present, and future collide. It's up to the three of them to deactivate the device, save their school, and their world. John Stockwell was someone I thought I recognized, and then that was because he co-starred in Christine. Yep. And he was also in Top Gun. He was Cougar at the beginning of Top Gun, the pilot that almost buys it, that Tom Cruise has to go and save. See, I, uh,
0: because of all of our time with Mystery Science Theater, I also remember him from the movie City Limits. Oh, is he in that one too? He was the uh, he he was the biker kid in, in, in that one. The the, the no main kidding. character,
1: quote unquote. I had no idea. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> he's had such an illustrious career. <laughs> Von Zernick acted in a few films and television roles, and she became a producer. Fisher Stevens might be best known for playing the Indian Ben Jabatuya, the sidekick to Steve Guttenberg's Newton Crosby, and. What was it called now? I didn't write down the name. Oh, Short Circuit? Yes, thank you. You
0: couldn't remember <laughs> Short Circuit?
1: <laughs> I couldn't remember the Short Circuit. I didn't write it down. He can be found in more recent streaming shows like Succession and The Blacklist. Yes. He stepped up his game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I have to admit, I probably saw him in this film first, but remember him most from Short Circuit. Yeah. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that he wasn't an Indian. and that was a really bad (laughs) that that role does not hold up (laughs) no not not even a little bit (laughs) it's rough it's
0: offensive (laughs) it's it's not good (laughs)
1: yeah well as a as a young kid in 1985 86 whatever it was i didn't know the difference no Uh, i know better now the days of innocence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well,
0: and his role in this was no less offensive cuz he's supposed to be like an Italian American.
1: <laughs> I don't know if they really played up the Italianness. There were moments. You think? Yeah. There definitely were. There were uh,
0: I there was some cringe-worthy stuff there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this film and when it came to uh Stockwell and uh Von Zernick. I couldn't help but think that Stockwell is felt like a, like a discount John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Von Zernick, I was thinking she's a discount Kelly Maroney. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way to go
0: with this. <laughs> 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 and, and overall, that's kind of my problem with this movie, is it seems like a lot of other movies cheapened and smashed together.
1: It feels a little bit like gosh, I don't even know, yeah, a good way to describe it, but it is just this this melding, especially when the uh the time warps all start happening and the past and the present all start coming together and then it's they're like going from scene to scene from another film to another film or something like that. It's like they're breaking through sound stages. <laughs>
0: What was really uh, bugging me hard is, like, uh, I I had never seen this film before. Not, not at all. Missed it entirely. Um, and since this is part of our time travel series, I'm like, I'm an hour in, and I'm like, when's the time travel part <laughs> yeah. come up at all? <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? I didn't know what it was trying to be, and I
1: still don't think it ever knew what it was trying to be. Not precisely. I like I said last episode. I, I think I mentioned this. I remember watching it. Mm-hmm. I know I had watched this film. prop this came out in '85, so maybe '86, '87. Whenever it came to like VHS, that's the last time I've I've watched it. I remembered bits and some of it. I remember the device. I even remembered how to get, you know, the, that you had to pull the two levers or something like that. I remember that bit okay. for some reason. Um, I didn't remember the actors. I didn't remember Dennis Hopper being in it. Uh, I didn't remember any of the events that took place outside of just the fact that there is a device and it glowed and they you had to move the paddles or something like that. And I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> going to tell you, Watching this again, I am on the opposite side of the fence as you. I actually enjoyed this movie. You did? <laughs> I thought it was fun. I mean, it's not a good movie. No. But I thought it was fun. There is some great little bits and some great lines and stuff in this. Fisher Stevens has some of the worst and some of the best lines.
0: Yeah, Fisher Stevens is supposed to be the only comedic uh, element in this. He, he He's the he's the patsy he's the comic relief he's whatever you need him to be but that was the thing he's also relentless like especially the closer we got to the end the more he kept saying and Mm -hmm. uh, like every quote unquote joke to me just landed with a thud i'm like (laughs) like none of this is funny (laughs)
1: Yeah, you start wondering how much was ad libbed and how much they couldn't afford to just keep shooting and try to get them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda,
0: but uh, like they just... Oh my god, it was just nonstop, and I'm like, it it was it was bugging me. It, he was coming off as offensive, uh, sexist. I, I and I'm trying to put myself back into '85, and I'm like, I still didn't like it. <laughs> I'm mm. like, none of this is funny.
1: And like, oh, this is so terrible. (laughs) I will admit, the whole premise is so strained. Mm -hmm. The kid's looking for a science project. He needs to do a science project. And his first suggestion to his teacher, which is Dennis Hopper, he's like, oh, I thought I just maybe like would rebuild a carburetor or something. How's that a science project? How would that ever qualify for a science project? So how would go digging around in a military junkyard to come up with, I don't know, A helicopter's carburetor? I I don't know what he was really looking for. Is he going to find and then be able to like pass off as like science project?
0: Well, I mean, we were supposed to be following along with the ideas. We weren't tagging along with the brightest
1: bulb. So, well, yeah, no, I understand. But it is the whole idea of him trying to find a science project, and the fact that the movie is called "My Science Project" is truly just. The, the very forced element to get for him to get his hands on this military or on this uh, alien device.
0: Well, and the fact that, okay, we have supposedly the sensible nerdy girl that's involved and she didn't steer him in another direction either. <laughs> like,
1: okay, well, you failed at your role too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because he's the, the handsome guy and she's just all swoony.
0: Sure, because, <laughs> like you said, he, he's he he's your on clearance John Travolta. So I like yeah. he's dreamy, but in the sense of the town's not filled with a whole lot of better.
1: That's another thing too. You kind of wonder he's cast as this this guy that had this really attractive girlfriend. You get the impression he's supposed to be relatively popular. Ellie, the, the newspaper reporter nerd, for lack of a better term, girl, is like all swooning for him. But you look at him and thinking, he just seems like just everyday Joe. He doesn't seem all that. Why anyone would be that interested is a little beyond me. It's the car. That's what it is. It's that GTO he's got. Everyone wants the GTO.
0: Well, right. And, and <laughs> admittedly, the, the car was the beautiful part of the film. <laughs> this all I'm just going to jump into the the whole uh, the time interesting from the time travel aspect because I'm going to at least pull the one thing that I will grant a little bit from this and I'm saying that generously um, so Forgiving the fact that somehow there's this weird alien device in the middle of the desert in an aircraft graveyard, and why, uh, we don't know. Um, or the fact that he managed to find it in the, the middle of all this giant. Uh, um, but the fact that it does what it does it makes it interesting to our overall discussion, because yes. this definitely sits outside. Uh, this is another example of that twists the concept of what it is to time travel. In this case, we go nowhere. It, there is a there is a mulligan. There's a device. We don't know how it works or where it comes from or why it does what it does. Um, but we have it, and it does it, and somehow, because it's screwed up or whatever, it pulls elements from, from other times in to the present mm-hmm. time. And th- that's not something we see in a whole lot of...
1: Yeah no I think it's, this is going to be fairly unique among the films that we've that we're going to cover. Yeah so anyway very strained plot I mean honestly they could have just this was actually no better than a truck was driving along and turned a corner too sharply and a box fell off <laughs> and he found it I mean that's yeah. really it that have almost would have been a little bit more palatable than than the whole broken into this military complex to go through this graveyard, and oh my gosh, I fell in this seemingly unknown bomb shelter, which is apparently a very good bomb shelter since it's just apparently a couple plywood doors or something <laughs> covered
0: in dirt. Yeah, I was marveling at that at the end of the movie, he's putting it back, and he's pulling the door up. And I'm like, yeah, like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, this definitely felt like a very 80s film in that mm-hmm. things happen because they happen. I mean, there is no rhyme or reason. They grab firearms to protect themselves from all the different things that are showing up from different time periods. And they, of course, know exactly how to use them. <laughs> they are fantastic shots with them. And when they come across, you know, the mutants from after the apocalypse are shooting at, shooting at them with laser guns, they stick with the M16s. <laughs> Well, why wouldn't you have grabbed... <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Especially especially probably wishing you had when the next thing you walk into is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> or at least a very good facsimile of one <laughs> as far as this movie goes. Well, at least, uh, you know,
0: it, it, it had the, the early to mid 80s sensibility where the T-Rex drug its tail still on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I... It, I mean, Ray Harryhausen would have been proud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes, everything that takes place in this movie, it just, it happens because it's an 80s movie and you want to get your characters into as many weird and crazy situations as you possibly can.
0: Well, this goes to the how I felt like it was just a mashup of things. Like, there were times the music was playing and I heard Ghostbusters. The action that's taking place and the absurdity of it—it's it, channeling weird science. The the action hero thing toward the end, where all of them are all doing that, could have been any of the '80s action films that were out in the in the mm-hmm. day. But yeah, you, since you brought that part up, that was the part that was uh, have it had me cracking up because these three because it, it it's our hero. Um, his sidekick, and then some nerd that they that that's been trying to somehow um, get uh, Michael's character in trouble because he's uh, he's he's struggling with the fact that he seems to be stealing the other nerd girl. Um, mm-hmm. The three of them are now in this mission, and yeah, they become they're they're expert shots, they're expert hand to hand combat none of them are wetting themselves every time they run into the next thing that they, they come across. They're all taking this as if, sure, that's what's happening um, and I'm gonna kill it. So, and I'm gonna kill it effectively to the point where they, did, they blew up the, the stomach of the T-Rex. So Because like, you know how to use the grenade launcher
1: in the, <laughs> yep. in the thing and you're comfortable with that. 1980s high school was, you know, much more liberal in their courses. So <laughs>
0: Clear, clearly, or conservative as the case may be. <laughs> I don't know. I get a, a hardcore right wing feeling out of some of that.
1: The uh, I almost forgot about the uh, the other. Kid that was trying to vie for Ellie's affections or whatever, and it was spying on him. And yes, that's where you really feel like the the weird science elements and stuff, and revenge of the nerds and all that sort of stuff comes in when he's you know in the bushes with his uh, head-mounted spy gear with the blinking lights and the and the boop 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 noises.
0: Whatever the three cool kid
1: guys were about, they they were they were almost pointless. <laughs> In a yeah, they had no bearing whatsoever, other than they they just needed to pad the film out a few seconds here and there. They they needed a reason to do goofy
0: stuff to the kids' car. <laughs> I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I'm like, why? What, is, what? What? What are you guys for?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they they didn't they didn't have any role truly in the film whatsoever. I'm
0: fairly certain for Dennis Hopper. Uh, I don't know they they paid him in weed. And
1: allowed him to use it on the set. Actually, I read that he had just come out of rehab.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not convinced. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you know he did it. If he did, I think you know he came out of rehab. He wanted a, a quick job. He was probably on set all of for like a day, probably maybe two. He probably just saw it, and thought, "Oh, here's something fun." You know what the hell. It's a, pay, it's a paycheck and all i got to do is be weird he's a, he's a working actor he's done some odd things here and there because he thought they were seemed fun or interesting or sure. wackadoo. This, <laughs> so this was wackadoo. i i wasn't i wasn't surprised at all that he was there
0: well i guess you couldn't necessarily gotten anybody cuz you needed somebody prepared to just be straight up nuts but <laughs> but he was just he was too much the the one person that was completely throwing me off my game though during this is another character actor we see him in everything was Richard Mauser. He's detective the the, the guy in the cowboy hat, <laughs>
1: the Stetson. Yeah, he has to wear his Stetson the whole time. It's, yes.
0: Uh yeah he he was the detective. Uh, um. Well, first off arresting people without a reason necessarily to arrest them right away um, but he just this heavy handed brute of a guy and I'm like this is Richard like, that is that is not your character type <laughs> it didn't
2: fit
1: his character though did uh, instigate some of the best lines out of Fisher Stevens for me though when he has him down at the station, and Fisher Stevens, of course, won't shut up, and he's he's trying to walk away, and he he just grabs him. Mauser just grabs him by the you know at one point grabs him by the shoulder and drags him back to the desk, and you hear Fisher Stevens like, "Okay, Mister Spock." Oh, God. But the one that had me was he just Mauser grabs him by the neck and just, you know, and he says, "All right, McLeod." That I caught that I got that. <laughs> I at least giggled at that one. Uh, I I audibly giggled. I was actually laughing out loud at that. Uh, one. Oh, like okay. <laughs> that one I thought was kind of fun.
0: That well, yeah, which was super telling on that one because I'm like, the rest of the police station is pretty much your street standard. Could have been anywhere police station. And this dude's walking around in the Stetson, all, all, all like, <laughs> yeah. like. Uh, the thing of it is, is I know where that that um, that particular uh, um, aircraft graveyard is because I've been to it, um, but it's not Texas. <laughs> and, that's what, and that's how he was playing that role. And I'm like, where the hell are you supposed to be from? I don't know. It was just kind of a mess. And a- actually, it reminds me too. Um, police stations in the eighties, at least according to film, were always the most inept locations ever. <laughs> How we made it out of the eighties, I do not know,
1: <laughs> because
0: yeah, yeah. apparently anyone could get away with anything <laughs> in a
1: police station in the eighties. <laughs> I guess I'm a little surprised that you didn't enjoy it at all. I really kind of had a good time watching this one i just it was one of those easy just turn the brain off let it wash over you and have a good time with it there's a lot of movies that come out of the 80s that i've tried to go back and rewatch, and they don't age well at all and i'm not saying this one does i mean like i said there's some definitely some bits in here that are are terrible. Like I said, Fisher Stevens also has some of the worst lines. Uh, he he drops an expletive that is for uh you know a, a, a homosexual that you know you don't really want to hear in movies today. Oh yeah, yeah. Several yeah. times. I
0: thought
1: that too. And yeah, there's there's a lot of that sort of stuff that goes on. There's a lot of stuff that was okay in the '80s that isn't so good now. I guess I just like the fact that this movie was just sort of throw everything against. The wall and see what's stuck. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but in this, it, case, it felt like very much like the. It was in the same boat as like weird science. No, it's in that same genre.
0: It it was, but like I said, it 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 was that it was Ghostbusters. It was some people likened it a little to the, the same film of the same year, Back to the Future, but I'm not sure where they, anyone got any of that.
1: No, um, just the, that there was time travel, that's the only connection yeah, between the kinda two. It's kind
0: of in reverse, I mean, when you think of time travel as you went somewhere, in this case, it came to you, and it came distorted, it was more, uh, th- this had more in common with, like, multiverses colliding rather than it did, uh, uh, actual time travel of any kind, because it, it, mm-hmm. it was indiscriminate. Uh, uh, that that And that was the part that, for me, at least was a little cool. I mean, it, it was a little too much throw all of it at the wall. Um, but yeah, the idea that uh, as they traveled through the, the high school, as it's being essentially attacked by the device, um, it's just pulling elements from time everywhere, and... Colliding them all together, that part was kind of cool. But I, that, actually, where the, that what that made me think of more is um, Night at the Museum. Just that that whole sense of chaos all in the same place from different eras. Um, the only thing that was a little disappointing in that is we only took care of one at a time. Like as you went through. Yeah, They'd run into one element from one time, they'd run into the next element, but the way that it was all being pulled in kind of would have been more fun if uh, all of the elements kind of interacted. Like, if the apocalyptic laser-wielding guys all of a sudden were staring down the T-Rex 2,
1: that would have been right. kind of fun. I'm just going to say, or you know, the uh, gladiators, you know, suddenly taking it out on the Nazis and...
0: Well, and, and, you know, it could have added a little something to that that was throwing me off, too, is these three inept high school students are now uh, successfully waging war across time with with nary a problem. Um, If you had managed to blend them all together in some fashion, like like, for instance, that's how they get out of some of their scrapes is as the gladiators running at them with with an axe or something, somebody got with the AK-47 actually takes the gladiator out before he gets them because it, they're just all colliding all at once. It would have fed a little more fun for me and at least given me some sense that, okay, we're not having to believe that these guys can just pull all of this off in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, you, you kind of lose me a little bit when suddenly this this high school, uh, I all I do is work on cars can suddenly take out a trained gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, like how any of them have not uh, died within the seconds of being exposed to any of this, I don't know, but yeah. Well, and then the, what weirded me out again, it, it does have that throw everything at the wall, but like toward the end when he's trying to go help by shutting the machine down and it, it, it sucks him out of existence for a second. We don't know. Just to put him back. Just to put him back.
1: I, I mean, I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> yeah, just to uh, try to tug the heartstrings for a moment. I,
0: I, I guess, but I mean, it would have made, and of course we were going to get Dennis Hopper's character back. I mean, there was mm-hmm. no way you were not. Um, but it would have made more sense, at least if it sucked him out of existence just as he finished uh, disconnecting it. If when he came back, so did Dennis Hopper. Like like, okay, it's it's put everything back where it belonged. Yeah, it, it would have. I don't know. Like I said, I I knew it was gonna happen. It was just disjointed.
1: Yeah, because you definitely get the impression that things didn't just go back to where they belong. Dennis Hopper showing up seemed to be just more coincidence than anything else. The high school is still trash. I believe there is still a T-Rex, a dead T-Rex in the gymnasium. Mm-hmm. There is still, you know, uh, dead uh, mutants from after the apocalypse in the hallway somewhere.
0: I I guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and this is where, again, I got that <laughs> I got a little of that sense of of Ghostbusters there at the end only in in Ghostbusters when they're done trashing the building and saving the city, at least the city knew that they were there to save the city. <laughs> <laughs> These three kids walked out of a, a out of a high school that has just been
1: totally destroyed and everybody lets them go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because uh, Bob Roberts, Dennis Hopper's character, the only thing evidence that they have of any wrongdoing, which was the uh, the explosion at the power line, they found his necklace.
0: Oh, oh yeah.
1: So they're so they're going so they're arresting him while letting all the kids go because obviously the kids don't have anything to do with it.
0: Obviously, despite the fact that they're coming out of the rubble, <laughs> right. Well, they
1: just happened to be there at the wrong time. Sure. I guess. <laughs>
0: sure. Yeah, no, but like I, like I said, I, I got that end of Ghostbusters sequence without any of the reason why.
1: <laughs> they would just let them go. I felt like this movie could have just as easily ended with, you know, uh, Dennis Hopper's character being arrested and then there being like those, uh, it was rampant through the 80s, the little freeze frame and the. Uh, what happened to them in the future? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> that would have. That might have been a little fun. Yeah, Ellie went to work for the New York Times, and yeah, that sort of.
0: The ending itself just was kind of super flat because. Yeah. The he he takes the device and throws it back in the hole.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, it just puts it back where you found it. Just, like that's kind that doesn't solve the problem. No, it
0: didn't solve anything and 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 what nobody's
1: looking for how that any of this happened in the first place (laughs) and i yeah and here's another thing too i really hate the sort of forced like he's learned a lesson because early on his car breaks down because of the device and he will not be seen growing in a town or walking in a town and people know that his car broke down and all that but in the end they run out of gas and he says, "Well, come on, we're we're pretty close. We can just walk." And she's like, "Well, what? People will know that you broke that." I'm like, "Hey, it's just a car." Yeah, I'm like, so so, oh oh, he learned his lesson. What lesson? <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> well,
0: well, I mean, that's how he lost the pretty girl in the first place. Was because he obsessed over the car.
1: Didn't you get that?
0: Is that was that is the, that
1: the long all, game? Is that what the game we're playing?
0: All, all, all of this was just so that he could learn that his car is not the only thing in his
1: life. Ellie's more important than the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but this it snuck in that stupid little '80s thing where we go. Well, maybe there's more because uh, uh, after he's thrown it in the pit, the car's broken down. They're walking away from the car. A little bit of the uh, lightning bolt effect comes across the the rear bumper of
1: his car, and you're like, okay, uh, sure. (laughs) Tune in for My Science Project 2, senior year. Oh, wait, no, he was his senior year. Oh, damn. Yeah, (laughs) this will be his college years. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to go to college. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, but see, you know, you know, you find out that later he uh, he actually got a scholarship for that science project. <laughs> he, he did get an A. He did. They said so. <laughs> but I, I, again, you you had a great time, and that's fantastic. Uh, I I call that a win. I watched it, and I'm like, it wants to be something, and it's. Failing every moment I'm watching (laughs) I'm like, so I'm not going to like it. So, you know, we can't be on the same side all the time. No.
1: Well, I posted the trailer of this to our uh, Facebook page Mm -hmm. and asked if anyone remembered this little gem from
0: 1985.
1: Uh Uh, We got several responses on this. Derek M. Cook of Monster Kid Radio. So he saw this more than weird science back in the day. Chris Cullen from the Forgotten TV podcast said he saw it in the theater. Nate Zig loved this movie as a kid. Nick Brown loved that film, still had the VHS. Oh my God. Darren Wilson I said he regularly rented the movie in his childhood. And Evelyn Moose says, I only saw it like a dozen times on VHS. Dennis Hopper's in it. <laughs> Well,
0: clearly I am outranked on this one, so. <laughs> yeah, you are.
1: Sorry. Yeah, you know, it happens. They're all on my side.
0: But then, let me read a few reviews, shall I?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, what'd you find? And I'm gonna
0: make you read yours, too. <laughs> um, uh, I found a little snippet from the Chicago Tribune um, back in August of 85. Bereft of wit or charm, the film is Forced to rely heavily on its special effects. These, however, have a tacky, homemade feel.
1: (laughs) You know, strangely enough, even though I said I enjoyed it, I can't really argue with that.
0: (laughs) Well, that's just it. Whether you liked it or you didn't like it, like the points that you're making, I'm not disagreeing with. They just didn't hit home for me. The points that I'm making,
1: you're not disagreeing with. I, I think that the caveat that I have to say, like I like a lot of bad movies. Yes, you do. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite movies is Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. <laughs> you know, I love I unabashedly enjoy that movie. I have it on DVD. It's one of my favorite sci-fi originals.
0: I don't know how you don't start each day with robot monster,
1: um and that thing is trash. <laughs> That's another film that I, for whatever reason, I I just have a love for. So yes, I think that's where this film and where my enjoyment from this film kind of comes from. No, I I
0: get that. I'm going to go on for a few here. Uh, We still have. uh, I have an uncredited uh, thing from a TV Guide magazine staff writer. Um, Just more proof that special effects are worthless if the there are no solid characters or story. My science project is formula f- filmmaking with no substance, style, or entertainment to be found in its unimpressive package. That one's a little harsh. That's a little rough. <laughs> that, yeah, That's a little rough. I will grant that that's a little rough. I mean, at least it, it, it had a fun vibe to it. I just don't think like the jokes and all that landed quite as much as they would have liked them to.
1: And honestly I thought for nineteen eighty five I didn't think the special effects were all that bad. It it had the eighties vibe to the special effects. Uh, um
0: that that's the it's unfair to judge some of that based on what we have now versus what they had then.
1: Oh absolutely. I mean it was just effectively animated over the live action.
0: No, and they they at least in some fashion made a dinosaur to be there. So <laughs> Um so uh there's another one here from New York Times. The uh uh excerpt I will read here says Once the adventure begins, the movie, which its writers and director, Jonathan Batul, Started out as likable teenage comedy with snappy repartee turns into a dull, heavy-handed series of encounters between the kids and stick-figure historical creatures that materialize behind overturned gym lockers. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that one's pretty accurate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little.
0: So how about you uh, You read
1: uh, from your book, because yeah, I liked yeah, yeah, yours, sure. too. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got the uh, 1997's Blockbuster Entertainment Guide to Movies. And I think if any review, if, if this kind of movie, if you're going to pull any review from anywhere, I think a book like this is the, probably really the place to pull it from. Quite frankly, I need a copy. <laughs> this is My Science Project, 1985. They give it two stars. Uh, Again, I'm sorry, no one has actually credit with these. These are just, this is like a staff of critics. Mm -hmm. Student finds an alien object and tries to pass it off as science experiment. Sudden time warps ensue. Hopper is amusing as a science teacher, but no one and nothing else is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll, I'll leave you at least
0: with one... Sh- shinier one, because uh, this is from a nothing thing. that The citation is The Globe and Mail. Okay. I don't know what that is even, but uh, it said, uh, My Science Project leaves you wishing it was a better movie, and that's a commendation. It has something that allows you to hope for more, namely a performance by John Stockwell from Christine that earns him a spot among the fine young actors in hollywood that one's probably a little too far up there
1: <laughs> maybe you do wish he brought a little bit more to the table
0: right no uh, the funny thing is that as i was watching it that between his car which was also red and, <laughs> and his performance in christine with the red car um mm-hmm. yeah i kept I kept bouncing between the two uh, as I was even watching the film because his performance um, and I dare say even in like City Limits um, he's the same guy in whatever he's in so his acting cred is I don't know that it's quite there but it is standard for the 80s did
1: you catch there was a Christine reference uh, in this film
0: no I missed that where was that? (laughs)
1: stockwell's underneath the car working on the the gto mm-hmm. and i forget the conversation that's going on but fisher steven says that you mentioned some movie He remembers like some guy getting flamed by this ghost car
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> very cute well in which case
0: then uh, uh, see i am sorry i missed uh, i missed the reference i must have looked away or something at the moment because uh, that one would have uh, that would have caught me because especially if you pick on if you can somehow in the movie pick on the actors that are in the movie that's kind of cool.
1: And did you notice uh, Mike's dad was watching? He and his girlfriend were in the living room and there was a movie playing on the television. Did you notice the movie that was playing? Oh, I don't remember it. What was it? 1960s, The Time Machine.
0: Oh yeah, I do remember that now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there you go. There's there's more. Time machine connection. Maybe it's worth it for just kind of the Easter egg quality of it all. I enjoyed it. Time did not. Uh, lots of people on the Facebook page enjoyed it. I'd love to hear uh, any of our listeners if they've saw if they've watched this movie, if they've seen it, if they remember it from their childhood, and what they think about it. Uh, like it or hate it, we'd really like to get your comments on it. We have a request by Tom to try to, uh, how did you put it, Uh, take back 1985. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Next episode, we're going to look a little bit more at a uh, little bit more popular time travel film from the era, and one we've mentioned here before. We are going to look at Back to the Future. Yay! Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know if there's anything bad to say about that film. I'd be kind of curious to... I've watched it fairly recently, and I don't remember much coming out of it that was like mm, that didn't age well so i'm curious to kind of give it another viewing
0: uh well one like it like we talked about offline uh it it was uh it's been a long time since i've watched it and um more recently i i keep enjoying little blurbs that people make a, a, as comedy about that like can you imagine going to uh to the studio uh, with some, some exciting time travel thing where essentially uh, a young man wants to go back in time and meet his mom <laughs> to date her. <laughs> <laughs> Not, that's a, obviously an incredibly loose telling of it, but, but still, that element did end up in there.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. I've never watched it, with a sort of the idea of uh, critiquing it right I've only watched it for enjoyment so that'll be interesting
0: yes indeed yes all
1: right well we'll be back in a couple weeks with that until thank you very much for listening please follow the uh, link tree link in the show notes and see all the sites and all the ways that you can help support the show and until we talk to you next time bye see you.